Good evening. My name is Wesley Lejudice, and you're listening to a very special episode of the House of Hesed podcast. The next three episodes are going to be a narration of a short story that I've written called Haunted by God. This story is included as bonus chapters in a book which I've written called The Shepherd King. The Shepherd King is a biblical fiction inspired by the story of King David in the biblical book of Samuel. These episodes and this story are set in the same universe as the Shepherd King, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the narrative or the story of King David in my book. The Shepherd King is a fantasy adventure book, whereas this story, if you couldn't already tell from the spooky music, it's more of a horror fiction. If you would like to learn more about my book, you can go to my website, wesleylojuduche.com. Or to order a copy, you can go to amazon.com and search in The Shepherd King. I'll link both of the sites in the show notes below. But that's enough of my own plugs. Without further ado, I present to you Haunted by God, written by Wesley Lojuduche and narrated by Michael James Brown. Chapter 22, Haunted by God David, Yoav, Avi, and Benai sit with a couple dozen kids around a campfire, wide-eyed, staring at old man Aben with intrigue and trepidation. It's the third night of Torah camp, and the old man has gathered the kids around the campfire to tell them scary stories in an effort to instill a healthy fear of Yahweh into them, and to have a bit of fun. And there I was, face to face, with an evil ruach in Indoor. I had nothing but a skin of holy water and my blessed dagger. His skin was rotting, and his eyes glowed blood-red. He started coming at me. I held out my dagger and my holy water. "'What is your name, Phantom?' I shouted. Ah, "'Why do you call me a Ruach? I am no ghost,' it replied. "'Your name! Tell me your name, you fiend!' I cried." He groaned and shrieked so loud it would break your mother's pottery. Then, silence. (laughs) My name, he shrieked. I thought my mark would give it away, he said, pulling back his shaggy hair to reveal a glowing rune that was as red as blood and that looked like a fresh wound. It said in Hebrew, marked by L. I am Cain, son of Adam, and if you harm me, Yahweh shall repay you sevenfold. I am here to take your soul. You kids ever stand through the eye of an Elohim? Old man Aben asks. They slowly shake their heads no in fear. I didn't think so, Aben remarks. It's like they can see into your heart, like they are looking into your whole life and see all the things you ever did, good or bad. Seeing the fear in the crowd's eyes elevate, Aben knows it's time to get to the climax. So there I was, standing face to face with a 10,000-year-old ghoul who was staring into my whole life and coming at me to take my soul. I thought Cain was a human, not an Elohim, Yoav remarks. Well, he is, you see. He's, He's half human, half Elohim. "'because of the mark God placed on him,' Aben explains. "'Now, as I was saying—' "'Torah doesn't say anything about Cain becoming an Elohim. "'Also, didn't he and his family die when the flood came?' David wonders. "'What are you talking about? "'There are descendants of Cain to this day,' Aben responds. 
Yeah, you got a point there, David, another kid says. Besides, Kane is from now, not Endor, still another adds. Have you ever even been to Endor? Yoav asks the old man. Of course I have. I've, I've done many exorcisms there. It's, it's the most haunted town in all Israel, Aben defends. Come on, guys, let's get going. We got Torah devotionals in the morning, one of the kids says, getting up from his log. Seeing that he is losing the crowd, Aben sits back and pulls out the ace up his sleeve. So I guess you kids wouldn't want to hear about the haunting of Dagon, then. What? How would you even know about anything that happened to Dagon's temple? You've never even been to Philistia, Yoav protests, getting up with the other kids. Oh, I've never been there. But I do happen to own the relic that haunted Dagon in all of Philistia, Aben responds casually. In fact, it's the most haunted artifact in all Israel, and it calls my tree home. Yoav and some of the kids turn around, intrigued. What? David protests. Why would you have something haunted in your house with the Ark? You can't have something unholy on holy ground. Oh, trust me. This artifact is very holy, Aben assures him. Wait a minute. I've heard this story before, one of the kids says, sitting back down. My dad had an uncle from Beth Shemesh that died from looking into the Ark. No way! This is about the Ark? Benai asks as he and all the kids finally find their seats. They are intrigued now, and Aben knows he has the crowd reeled in. He just needs to deliver the story. Very astute, my young Kushite, Aben replies as he puts one hand on his knee, leans forward, and continues. This is the story of how an entire nation was haunted by Yahweh. Aben looks around and makes eye contact with the crowd before going on. About 50 years ago, Israel was in a terrible state. The priesthood of Eli was almost annihilated. The Philistines heavily oppressed us. And worst of all, the Ark of God, which is Yahweh's throne, was stolen away from us by the Philistines. They took it to their capital city in Ashdod as spoils to present to their god, Dagon. Fifty years earlier. Yashane strolls through the temple halls during sunset. There's enough light from the windows to let in the warm orange sun, creating a soothing, laid-back mood in the temple of Dagon. The walls are lined with ornate paintings, high-quality curtains hanging from the ceiling, and there are a few unlit torches glistening with oil in anticipation for the night. This temple feels more like a palace than a place of worship. It is filled with rooms full of plunder, golden plates, bowls, idols, and shrines to other gods. Yashane pops a few grapes into his mouth as he strolls down the hallway. He seems especially happy today, and he has a nice pep in his step. He's eager to admire his latest trophy, another local god captured and devoted to his chief god above all gods, Dagon, father of Baal and god of the harvest. He turns a corner and opens the giant doors leading to the temple's inner sanctum. It is a wide and very tall room. The walls are lined with pictures of golden grain stalks. At the center of the room, 
there are a few steps that lead up to a large, elevated platform with two giant pillars. In between the two pillars is a statue about ten feet tall of what looks like a muscular king. The top half of the body is a bearded man, but the bottom half is fish-like and almost serpentine, like he is a merman. The smooth stone of the torso turns into ornate, golden fish-like scales from the waist down. The man has both his arms raised up in the air above him. Storm clouds are painted above, and on the wall behind him there is a beautiful mural of rain falling into a lush golden field of wheat. In front of the towering statue is a small box with two winged cherubim that overshadow the lid. The gold of the Ark of the Covenant seems to shine brighter than the rest of the gold adorning the room, even brighter than Dagon. Shane pops in another grape as he strolls through, happy to see his favorite high priest, Ahithophel. Fel, my friend, how goes it? Fel turns around from his nightly cleaning and smiles. Well, if it isn't the mighty military commander himself, it's been too long, my friend. If you come here to see the king, sorry, but he's long gone, too busy partying and enjoying the spoils of war, if you know what I mean. Which, by the way, I thought you'd be enjoying too. Shane walks over and inspects the ark. Oh, don't worry. I'll be joining the festivities. I just wanted to admire the spoils of war. Well, it is something to behold, Fell replies. This idol is like nothing I've ever seen. It's smaller than most other gods, and it doesn't even depict their god. It's just a little golden chest. Was there anything cool inside, like a severed limb or a shrunken head? Shane asks as he continues to observe the golden box. He pulls out a knife and peels open the lid to peek inside. The arc creaks as he lifts the lid. A small breeze gently blows on his face, smelling particularly like a fresh fire. He catches a glimpse of two stone tablets, then he hears behind him what sounds like a faint voice breathing heavily in anger. He stands back and coughs. (laughs) Oh man, that smells, what is that? I didn't think to clean this thing. No, sorry, I should have warned you. Fell apologizes. Yeah, it's like the Hebrews were afraid to touch it. it. Smells like something's burning inside, doesn't it? Shane continues to cough and nods. We did find this uh, fresh staff that budded a red flower in there, Fell says as he tosses it over to Shane. And some of these, Fell turns around to a clay jar, opens it up, and sticks it out to Shane, who's still inspecting the staff. Wow, he says as he sets his grapes down on the ark, grabs a piece of manna from the jar, and takes a bite. How did this thing sprout inside that dirty chest? There's no moisture in there at all. Mmm, tastes like honey. Not half bad. What is it? Fell swallows his piece and continues. I don't know, some kind of honey wafer? We think it's from a special kind of bee of the land. Maybe it's a god of bees and pollination. Just a theory. You didn't ask any Hebrews? Shane asks. You should know. You killed them all. Fell jests. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Shane exclaims as they both break out in laughter. (laughs) (laughs) Their hysterics are interrupted by what sounds like an angry groan from behind them. The statue of Dagon rattles. They're both silenced immediately. They look back at Dagon and then back at each other. They go right back to their laughter. Looks like Dagon was pleased with the plundering, Shane remarks. He takes another piece of manna from the jar to munch on and continues. I mean, you should have been there, man. 
we were getting ready for war when all of a sudden we heard this deep roar. It sounded kind of like that, and the ground began to quake. We thought we were done for. Shane takes another bite. So there I was with an army full of men cowering about to pee themselves and, and an anger god. So I said to hell with it. If we are going to die, we might as well die valiantly. I told the troops to stop crying, man up, and scream louder than those dirty Hebrews. Then what happened? Fell asks. Shane swallows his manna. We slaughtered them till sunset. Turns out they were so talented at distorting their ruachs, they could mimic the gods with their screams and even use their auras to make the ground shake. They were funneling their auras into their voices the whole time. Wow. If only they worked half as hard at throwing a spear or using a sword. Am I right? Fell remarks. They both burst out in laughter again. Still, Shane responds, I can't shake that feeling I had right before the battle. I felt the presence of a lot of gods fell, but nothing like this one. At least that's what I thought. Turns out it was just a parlor trick. Well, what do you think of their god now? Fell prompts. He makes some good honey, but that's about it. Shane admits. They both crack up and start walking toward the door. Well, at least the box makes a good souvenir for Dagon, Fell admits as they leave the room. Maybe it'll make some more of the honey wafers for us. The next morning, Shane wakes up and sees a few rays of light piercing his room as he looks up to the ceiling. His head is throbbing, and his mouth is dry as can be. He tries to get up, but is interrupted by a fit of coughing. <coughs> After a few seconds, he regains his composure, takes a deep breath to settle down the cough, and gets up, rubbing his head. Oh, man. Must have been too much wine for the celebration last night, he thinks to himself as he grabs another jar of wine for breakfast. He takes a swig and looks in his bronze mirror to see a very blurred reflection of himself. He starts scratching his neck and notices in the mirror that he has a rash on the left side of his neck. He inspects it for a few more seconds before being interrupted by a soldier knocking on his door. He takes another swig. The knocking continues. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming. He moses over to the door and finally opens it up to find a young soldier. His brow is furrowed and forehead scrunched. The soldier sports a small, nervous frown to boot. What is it, son? This had better be good. Do you know how early it is? Shane warns. Sir, you are needed at the temple at once, the soldier informs him. What is it? Did, did Fell get into a fight again? Shane guesses. I told him I'm not breaking up any more fights. He's going to have to learn how to hold his wine better. Uh, no, sir. It's... it. Well, you just have to see for yourself, the soldier says. Shane, sensing that something disturbing has happened nods, closes the door, and heads off to the temple behind the young soldier. They open the doors to the inner sanctum and find a group of priests and soldiers gathered around where the statue of Dagon should be. Fell turns around and greets him. What happened? Shane asks as they approach. You didn't see anyone come into the temple after us last night, did you? Fell asks. What? No. You, you locked the doors before we went to the party, remember? We. Why would... Shane stops and stares. The men are trying to heave up the multi-ton statue with all their strength. Who did this? Shane demands. Uh, your guess is as good as mine, Phil replies. But you're sure you didn't see anyone come in after us? You haven't seen any Hebrews near the town lately, either? 
Uh, no, we killed all the Hebrews we captured and the rest ran away. Could the statue have fallen down from an earthquake, maybe? Shane reasons. We were both up late last night. I didn't feel any earthquake, Phil tells him. Besides, the, the tables would have flipped over. The torches and curtains would have fallen, too. And they all are just like we left them. There's nothing missing, either. If it was some Hebrews, I'm sure they would have taken back their god, Shane adds, pointing to the Ark, which is directly in front of the statue of Dagon. In fact, they both pause for a moment and notice that Dagon's statue has turned about 30 degrees and, ironically, instead of raising its hands toward the heavens, it's now bowing before the Ark. You don't think... Shane asks. I don't think what? Fell prods. Well, it looks like Dagon is bowing down to the god of the Hebrews, Shane points out. Don't be ridiculous, Fell scoffs. You saw for yourself how weak and feeble that god is. If it were powerful enough to topple this statue, then surely it wouldn't have allowed itself to be captured and paraded around like this. No, you're right. It definitely would not do that. But still, look at the grapes, Shane says. The grapevine that was once a nice small snack for Shane is now a full, thick vine creeping all over the ark and covering the ground in front of it, too. There must be some kind of enchantment on this chest, Fell guesses. We'll begin research on it tomorrow and see what kind of trickery the Hebrews have placed on this little relic. Yeah, you're right. Probably the best explanation, Shane affirms softly. He stares at the shadow underneath the cherubim and sees the outline of an empty throne. From the shadow, something seems to stare back at him. He can feel in this moment a chill going down his spine. His heart beats rapidly and the hairs on his arms stand up. It feels like something in there is sitting on that small throne. Something dense, some heavy presence staring, glaring back at him in anger. Then the stare intensifies, as if all that weight and anger were transferred into Shane's heart and twists his stomach. He breaks out in a cold sweat and bends over. His body is in a space dangerous to life. Air escapes his lungs, and his eyes feel glued to the ark. Are you okay? Phil asks, putting his hand on Shane's shoulder. Shane is finally broken from the trance, but the damage is done. Shane's stomach can handle no more. His body is in shock. Nothing to do but reset now. He runs out of the sanctum and vomits, then falls and blacks out for a second. Before his eyes close, he sees the imprint of the outline of that opaque throne, seared into his cornea. Shane, you okay? Fell shouts, running over to his friend. After a few seconds, Shane's body reboots. His eyes open, and Fell helps him sit up. Go get him some water, Fell orders one of the servants who happens to walk by. The servant nods and runs down the hallway. Hey, you okay? Fell asks. The imprint of the throne begins to fade, and Fell's voice comes into the foreground. Hey, you okay, man? Yeah, uh, Shane replies. Uh, must have had too much to drink last night. Sounds about right, Fell confirms. Maybe you should take it easy today. Uh, yeah, you're right, Shane says, still orienting himself. He wipes his mouth and is helped up by Fell. Go home and get some rest. We'll take care of this. Fell offers as he walks him out of the room. The servant from earlier walks up to them and hands Shane a skin of water. Now go clean that up, Fell orders. The servant pauses and sighs. Oh, man. Why am I always the one who cleans up the vomit? Shane looks back and sees the men finally putting the statue of Dagon back in an upright position. He catches another glimpse of the ark and the dense shadow that sits atop the small golden box. 
He immediately looks away because he senses that heavy presence glaring back at him. I'll send someone to make a sacrifice to Lord Dagon for your incident today, Fel says as they near the door to the temple. And I'll have my servants send over some food and water for you. Don't want our best military commander getting sick and frail now, do we? Shane turns around and stares back down the temple hallway. His vision blurs. The halls seem to stretch forever. The ceiling looms impossibly high. Shane shakes his head and closes his eyes. He opens them and looks at Fell. His vision returns back to normal. Thanks, Shane says as he walks out of the temple, not before looking back at Fell. He notices a trail of blood flowing out of Fell's nose. Uh, Fell? Your nose? Fell holds his hand to his face and feels the warm blood. Oh, <laughs> uh, nosebleed. Uh, that's strange. I never get these. Fell quivers as he pulls out a cloth to wipe it away. Take care, Fell. Uh, I'll uh, check in again tomorrow, Shane says as he walks away. Shane gets back to his house and closes the door. His stomach immediately twists in pain again. His throat feels drier than usual. He looks down at the skin of water and frantically chugs it all before plopping down on his bed and getting under his covers. He is tired and has never felt this sick before. He shakes in a cold sweat and twists and turns in his bed. After a few hours of struggle, his eyes finally close and his body can rest. Shane opens his eyes and sees the dark temple halls. The fires are lit and the crickets chirp. He walks down the main hallway, turns a corner, and finds himself in front of the large doors leading into the inner sanctum. The whole temple seems to feel quieter than usual. He feels that same stare, that anger, that weight looming over his whole body. He wants to run as far as possible away from the temple, but his body is frozen, paralyzed by that presence. Then he feels a force compelling him to walk toward the doors. Reluctantly, his body is pulled into its gravity. He stands before the tall doors, still trying with all his might to turn around and run away. He looks down and notices a pool of blood oozing out of the bottom of the doors. His hand rises, shaking as he tries with all his might to lower it. The power is too compelling, however, and he reaches out to open the door. As soon as he touches it, he hears a blood-curdling scream inside. Oh. What do you want with us, you holy one of Israel? No, please don't torment us any longer. Still powerless to resist, he opens the door as the screams continue. He is met by that same gust of wind he felt when he opened the ark. But this time, it's seven times stronger. That burning smell is back too, and more pungent than ever. He slowly walks into the room as the screams continue. No, 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 don't come any further. You shouldn't be here. Shane looks into the room. His eyes widen, pupils dilating as his iris turns blood red. He sees what should be the statue of Dagon, now the actual flesh and blood god that he worships, writhing in pain on the ground. The voice sounds like a spiritual being, like an Elohim, but more familiar. Could it be? Could that be Fel's voice? But wait, how could Shane not have noticed? Dagon's face is twisted in pain, but he has no body, or rather, his head has been cut off and blood oozes out of the stump of his neck. Dagon's body is writhing in pain like a fish out of water. His tail, which has golden yellow scales, flaps, and the chiseled torso twitches. His arms still move sporadically, and the detached head shrieks in horror. 
As soon as Shane takes in the scene, he notices that where the small ark used to be is now a giant golden throne, shining brighter and brighter, almost as bright as the sun. He tries to look up at the throne again, but is blinded by its light. He shields his eyes and looks away, but the light still feels as though it is burning into the back of his cornea. He grabs his chest and falls to his knees. It feels like the light is shining into his very soul, like it is invading every crevice of his body, shining on every single fiber of his being. He feels more than exposed, more than naked, more vulnerable than he has ever felt in his entire life. He turns his body 180 degrees away from the ark and starts clawing his chest to dig the light out to no avail. The light seems to have its own otherworldly sound and the room seems to pulsate louder and louder with its deafening theme. Shane falls back into Dagon's pool of blood and curls up into a fetal position. One hand covers his eyes as blood pours out like tears. The other hand claws away the skin on his chest. His heart begins to beat faster and faster, and Dagon continues to scream in agony at the foot of the throne. Shane, now getting numb to the pain, can feel the life from his body beginning to fade away. He opens his bloody eyes and sees a giant foot that glows like red-hot bronze at the bottom of the throne. Just as soon as he feels his body and soul be crushed, burned, and consumed by the weight and presence and the heat of the light, he wakes up in a deep sweat and screams at the top of his lungs. He looks around him. Instead of a pool of blood, he is immersed in a pool of sweat in his bed. He looks down at his chest and sees no scratch marks. He breathes a sigh of relief. He feels a tear running down his cheek, and he smiles, but when he wipes it away, he sees blood on his hand. Oh! Shane yells and scurries out of his bed until he hits the wall of his house. His hand is shaking uncontrollably as he stares at the smeared blood on his fingers. He grabs his wrist to try to stop the shaking, and his breathing slowly calms as he closes his eyes and takes deeper breaths. After a few more minutes, he calms down and wipes the blood from his face. What are the gods trying to tell me, he asks himself. While pondering his dream, Shane's gag reflex kicks in. He turns over and pukes along the wall of his room. This can't be good, he thinks to himself. Dreams are from the gods, and that dream was clearly from the god of the Hebrews. I've never felt any aura that powerful in my life. If he wanted to, that, that god could have killed me on the spot. He lies down on the floor beside the pool of vomit and stares up at the ceiling. Some morning light shines in, and the birds outside happily chirp away. He is too tired to clean up his vomit. He feels like just going back to sleep, but is too scared of having another dream of that god. His door shakes, shocking him back to reality. Sir, it's me, Japheth, sir. It happened again, but this time, sir, you just need to see this, Japheth calls. He's about to pound on the door again when Shane yanks it open and stares grumpily back at him. Japheth's eyes widen. You don't look good, sir. Have you been sleeping much? Shane looks back at the soldier, who also carries bags under his eyes and sports a rash on his neck and left arm. You don't look too hot yourself, son, Shane retorts. Let me guess. Fell wants to see me again? Japheth nods, and Shane closes the door. It's quiet for a few seconds. Japheth can hear Shane rummaging around and shuffling things in his house. Shane opens the door and emerges with some fresh clothes and the jar of wine in hand. He walks past Japheth and heads straight toward the temple. Japheth spins around and catches up with him. 
Um, sir, do you think you should be drinking wine, being that you're sick and all? Trust me, son, if, if you knew where we were going, you would want to drink too, Shane remarks, offering Jaff with a swig. The soldier slowly accepts it. But, sir, you haven't even seen it yet. Jaffa takes a swig. Oh, trust me, Shane assures him. I've seen enough. Thanks again for listening to this very special episode of the House of Hesed podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast and would like more content like this, then go ahead and hit the subscribe button and give us a review on whatever platform you listen to us on. A review really does go a long way. And if you'd like to know more about my book, The Shepherd King, you can check out the show notes below for more resources. And if you're a little spooked out and hate horror stories, then, well, I would just give this podcast a break for the next few weeks until we get back to our normal content in the Book of Judges. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.